I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. I'm a former scientist. I was discouraged by you. Now on, now on wheels. <laughs> I'm really in the mood today. <laughs> <laughs> no, she goes, I'm really in the mood today. <laughs> that is from a song called... Wheel Me Out. Wheel Me Out. Uh, performed by... Who? Uh, I was. Well, there. first of all, how did you discover this song? It came on randomly, and <laughs> listening to the lyrics, I was like, "This bitch just said she's a former scientist." <laughs> um, the band is called Was Not Was. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Wheel me. I do remember this song. I'm lonely on these wheels. I'm really rude to you. I'm the former scientist now on wheels. Then I was discouraged by you. <laughs> And then there's a man that comes in towards the end screaming, I was discouraged by you. <laughs> what? Happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Happy Mama's Day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to all you mothers out there. Oh, yeah. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> haven't done that yet. <laughs> As a kid, um, actually, I don't have a lot of memories about Mother's Day. I mean, I have a mother and I spent Mother's Day with her, but... Are you my mother? Are you... I don't really have thoughts on it, except I was thinking, um, well, we had friends over last night. Yeah. So. To me, uh, it was a long day. Yeah. I cook, was, C- I cook, think I you, cooked for like five hours. And then I drank way too much and ate way too much. Oh, because the food was good. But I was saying uh, that, you know. For, for those who, oh, because a new trend that's been happening is businesses are asking if their customers, like when they send emails, asking if they want to opt out of Mother's Day emails. Because for some people, it's triggering if they've lost their mother or they didn't have a healthy relationship with their mother. Sure. Um, which makes sense to me. And also, like, all this shit is just marketing. Yeah. Like... <laughs> We pick a day and then have everyone buy a greetings card and take their mom to brunch. Um, but not me. I'm taking her to an early dinner. <laughs> I'm yeah, not going to be fooled. Like all these, th- all of these things designed for where we demand that everyone do the same thing at the same time is not wise. <laughs> it's not convenient. No. But I also feel that way about Valentine's Day. It, God, it's just like that. a reminder. Like I hate Valentine's Day. Because if you're not in a relationship, you feel like a loser. If you are, you feel pressure to do something. Not me. I never felt like a loser. No, but you know, some people can feel like... Yeah, like I'm, my self-worth is affected by, uh, no, I don't have anything to do anything with today. or something. It's just a reminder. I mean, all these reminders. That... I think it was harder in school because that's when kids, you oh. know, hand out valentines or then weird things happen like... Oh God, I remember some girl had a crush on me and gave me a secret Valentine and then everybody in the class was playing Nancy Doo to figure out who it was and then they did and it was this girl with a mustache. Well, thankfully I never had to deal with girls giving me Valentines. I mean, let me be clear, that wasn't that often. (laughs) So this weekend, on last weekend we saw Wanda Sykes in Mm -hmm. concert and then this weekend we saw... Margaret Cho mm-hmm. and Mateo Lane. Yep. Um, 
There were two comedians who opened for Margaret Cho. The first one, we arrived a little late, so we didn't catch his name, and no one bared, bothered to repeat it. I, but I did enjoy him, and then Bob the Drag Queen opened yeah. for Margaret Cho, and I thought he was quite funny. He's always good, though. But I understand we probably can't talk about Margaret Cho either. I don't think we're supposed to, no. So I can't really say much. I did think she was funny. Again, the impressions of her mother are my favorite. And I am a fan from um, back when her... You know, I think she has a distinction for her original stand-up comedy show, I'm the One That I Want. That concert or stand-up comedy special, DVD, whatever, well, VHS cassette was released independently, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then has the distinction of being like the best selling. Okay. Something like that, but it was a very successful thing. And I remember uh, getting that VHS and then seeing her in concert many times after. Her Her brand of comedy works for me, but I think the content feels very similar. Yeah. So I kind of stopped checking for her. But you had... Um, free access to all the Netflix is a joke events. So, you know, I chose to see her. So I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. And then Mateo Lane. Yeah. So I was reminded that by, by someone uh, that I had talked about Mateo Lane before um, in not the nicest way. But, oh. but, but my thoughts about him remain the same. That, uh, I think he's smart and funny. I do too. Who reminded you that you... Maybe I shouldn't say. I don't know. They know who they are. I'll tell you after. Oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't Mateo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you imagine Mateo messaged me? I you were could. talking shit about my uh, masquerade of a hairline. <laughs> he he is smart. I, did, I was a little bored by that set. A lot of it was felt recycled. That I've heard before. And I don't even pay attention to that stuff. It's just you have him in, have had him in, on in the background. Yeah, to be fair, I do. I have watched a lot of his content. But that's also because I just like gay content. So I often search for it. And that's how I've discovered several um, other podcasts I like and comedians. I, th- I think he is uh, kind of a hypocrite. Because he was shaming anybody for being on TikTok. Not that I care. And then had a whole spiel about playing video games and earning money via Twitch over the right. pandemic. And, then, and it's just like, okay, girl. And then post a lot of thoughty pics on Instagram. But but then is also, he's one of those entertainers who doesn't seem to want to interact with fans. Or, like, he seems very, like, standoffish and, I don't know, he just... He doesn't seem like a nice guy. He doesn't seem... And you know what else rubbed me the wrong way was he was disparaging that during the pandemic, during quarantine, he had to do ads to make money. <laughs> but but in the same breath said that he had no money. Right. So, bitch, like, do you... Like, are you grateful for getting money or are you just going to shit on the but opportunities it's like, you Oh, had? so you're not going to... You, you're not going to hustle, okay? Uh, you're, you're too good to do a Trojan ad? I don't think so. Uh, anyway, I mean, obviously, I, I selected to see him because I do think he's funny. But and then he his openers were uh, Sashir Zameda and uh, Nicole, Nicole Byer. They opened for him and were the quote unquote hosts. And I like both those ladies, but they I don't their little shtick was meandering. I don't think they were prepared. No. I, I I think that they arrived and they're like, oh, we need an opener. But the highlight of that 
performance was their the opening act was a woman named Janice Janice and when Sashir and Nicole introduced her they were like oh we were at the Grove and saw her like luring pigeons was, into the fountain to give them a bath she was corralling pigeons and we thought wow you're something special we're gonna bring you down and, and then I'm like, what a weird, obviously stupid, fake story to tell. And then this lady comes out, and I fully believe that she is at the Grove bathing pigeons. Yeah. This lady, she says she suffers from bipolar, bipolar disorder. Yeah. She is a special bird <laughs> on the level that, I mean, I was about... Ex- I was about as excited for her as I was the first time I heard Maria Bamford. She's like if you mash Maria Bamford and Tammy Brown into one brain. But I couldn't... I looked up her name and I couldn't find her. So I don't know. Like, my mind would be even more blown if we find out that was her first time doing stand-up. And that's why she has no online presence. It might have been. Or or they also made it seem like maybe she's... Or she... Might be homeless or... I don't know, but this... And she had a rat's nest of a hair. Literally like a matted rat's nest with a long ponytail. She was a lesbian. She was so damn funny. Dolores. If someone knows about Dolores at the Mateo Lane... Dolores. Janice. I mean Janice. Jesus. (laughs) Clitoris. Dolores. Mulva. Dolores. That's the only Seinfeld reference I know, and I didn't even watch that episode. Because I referenced it. Oh, Um, Mulva and uh, the Soup Nazi. No, the Soup Nazi, yeah. Those are the only two things I know. Dolores. Sometimes being a bitch, Dolores, is all a woman has to hold on to. Do you know know that reference? No. Oh. Dolores Claiborne. Yes. Okay. Moving on. I felt the need to, or I feel the need to bring up Marvel movies again. Why? Um, just because a lot of the comments on Doctor Strange, um, the the YouTube video for Doctor Strange and the madness of the 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 multiverse of madness, the, the multiverse of madness. Um, I just want to be clear that I think people can like whatever they like. It, you know, it's it, it's a genre, and I am not into that genre. So genre, uh, that's that's a compliment calling the Marvel films a genre. But, but no, I mean it's a vibe, and people know what to expect. It's like Fast and Furious. I mean, I'm not into that shit. I think it's weak. I think consumers deserve more. And I all I wanted to say is like, you can like what you like. People like Little Debbie snack cakes. Yeah, I did too when I was like eight. Yeah, and then I realized there were better things. Like with, Hostess. With, and then when I became an adult, I realized, oh, like there are bakeries that make more like homemade type stuff that tastes even more rich and mm-hmm. the chocolate's real. And mm-hmm. so I feel like... I feel like it's, you know, th- those movies are made to satisfy teenagers. Because but not teenagers. all of them. There are a few Marvel movies I genuinely do enjoy and would and have watched repeatedly. So I'm not saying all Marvel movies are bad. I'm just saying that when you watch... When, when a Marvel movie is obviously subpar in every respect except the production quality, because of course they're all great production quality. But when the acting is not the best, the writing is poor, the story is ridiculous, the comedy is weak... And then the casting is like, why this person? And it's so self-reflexive that it might as well be cannibalizing itself. That 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 I just think consumers deserve more. And if you... I don't know how much a movie ticket costs nowadays, but let's say $20. It's like if you went to your local fucking Mexican restaurant and ordered an enchilada plate for $20 and you didn't like it, your ass would be all up on Yelp. 
with pictures and one-star reviews and complaining about how you, they ruined your anniversary. But then you'll sit and spend two hours at a theater and spend $20. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you just are so determined to like it. I don't know. I just... I, I think it's the fervor with which people talk about certain things that are like, come on. Just admit that you just are a fanatic and you don't care what it is, you're going to love it. I can accept that and that's great. But to pretend like it's like masterpiece theater is like, okay. Why? Are, so are people uh, saying hateful things to us? No, they're not. In fact, most of the comments are positive. Like they thought our review was funny. But, you know, uh, you know, but just like the things that people are saying agreeing that it's just subpar but that's all i wanted to say that i'm okay. not i'm not shitting on marvel i do like some of them and i thought dr strange would i watch it again no did i enjoy it enough it was okay i'm not saying it's the worst movie i've ever seen I, it's not the worst marvel movie I've you seen. know i i'm disturbed that i have a very good memory especially especially concerning film and i i had but not one brain cell remembers Rachel McAdams in the first Doctor Strange. When I legit, when we sat down to watch this film, I'm like, oh, that's so weird that she's popping up in the sequel. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I forgot her. Moving on. So I was reminded by someone that at some point I had referenced talking about our feel, like elaborating on my feelings or our feelings on death. Yeah. And then I, I don't recall when and where I did that, but um, it, if I would follow up on that. So. I, sure. So what are your thoughts on death? That uh, it comes for us all. Uh, because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think death is like before I was born. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there's like an afterlife. I think when I was a kid, I used to sort of... I'm just going to use the word pray because I think that's what I thought I was doing back then. I would pray that like there's an afterlife and I would understand all the mysteries of, 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 of life, like where we come from. And I think that made me feel really good until I realized that's not going to happen, which is why I don't shit on religion that much because I think like, I do recall a time when I really believed, like wanted to believe that when I die, I'm going to go somewhere else and someone's going to reveal everything to me. It made me feel nice, like excited for life and not scared of death. But as an adult, you know, my thoughts have changed. I don't think there's anything afterwards. Um, And in some ways, it makes me a very morbid, depressed person. But in other ways, it makes me not afraid of moving on. Mm -hmm. Not just death, but like moving on like in life. Sure. Because I think death seems very peaceful. Like I'm looking forward to it because it just seems peaceful. Like... You know, life was hard and there were some great things along the way. And, you know, maybe I'll find a way to be happier more often than not. But even with that, it's like, you know, one day it'll be over and that's it. Like, I will have done what I did. And (laughs) I'm not sad about death. I'm not sad about other people dying because I know it's going to happen. Even people who I care about, it's like, well... If you die, I'll obviously miss you. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't think I would let that affect the rest of my life, like, mourn you forever. Or if someone, like, you know, if there's a hit and run or a drunk driver kills you, like, spend the rest of my life campaigning for, like, stricter 
like DUI sentences or like I mean I just don't know that like this kind of shit happens everyone's going to die I, I like I don't know that I think it matters how <laughs> per mm-hmm. se obviously there are things that are more tragic than others but I don't know listening to people talk about their 96 year old grandma who mm-hmm. passed from old age and they're so devastated and taken off a week from work and to me that seems kind of like odd because you didn't think grandma was going to die. She's so old. Yeah. Or like, you know, like someone, who, you know, your fat ass uncle who ends up, you know, dying I, from a heart attack. It's like, well, I mean, I don't... Well, I think part of it is this expected social ritual to, of, of, of a display of some sort in reaction to death. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, but so, we you know, add ceremony to everything. And as you know, I don't like that. I feel like it just, everything feels so forced. Like, mm-hmm. can I just experience things how they hit me mm-hmm. so i'm not saying i'm not going to mourn your death or my mom's death or my sister you know what i mean i'm not saying that i'm just thinking that i'll be okay. like i know that you're going to die and maybe i'll die before you and yeah i mean it's just it is what it is but yeah i don't i i guess is the prompt um have i revised my beliefs lately than the year that we probably talked about this or I don't know how we brought it up and why because you know sometimes I'll say like well we don't have time mm-hmm. I'll talk so oh. I, I don't know what the context was it was just like my thoughts on death but yeah I'm not afraid to die I look forward to it I'm not suicidal I'm not I don't have a plan to kill myself um, I'm a pretty negative I'm told I'm very negative um, yes, you are. <laughs> so I'm not going to argue that. I think I'm just kind of a sad person because I just think about how awful life is for so many people. And I'm not a martyr or I'm not a saint like that. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just sometimes hard to find joy when like there's so much bad shit going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, so I, that overwhelms me sometimes. Yeah, that can be overwhelming. But I also, how I view death is it means that we have a finite amount of time and should you have the opportunity to enjoy things you should sure but then i think that attitude is great but then i think it it's in contrast or it yeah it contradicts i'm not saying that it works in every no i'm not saying you are but i'm i think that i I think that life is so complicated because we're all so selfish and we all want to sort of live 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 but then it's that you also want to consume other people and other things i'm not saying that I, i i think that to expound on that comment is, you know, that can take a lot of different shapes and uh, a, a lot of different paths. And it doesn't mean consume. It doesn't mean using other people. It doesn't mean crawling over other people to t- take your happiness. It doesn't mean constant vacations. You know, it, it, I think it's more of a mental, you have to find a way to get there in your mind. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, because I was thinking more like, People just, everyone so focused on them. Yes. And who they care about well, and what and they I, care I about. I think we, yeah, we fail to realize that maybe our happiness means realizing how connected we are to others and that their well-being matters too. <laughs> right. So, so I think I feel hopeless because this world is trash. People are trash. No one gives a shit about anyone. Everyone pretends they care about something. Which is kind of... No one's really doing anything. What I was alluding to and when we just reviewed it happening, you know, and what's likely going to be happening with Roe v. Wade. And it's like, you know, we, people, we, have, to, we have to care about matters that we don't think 
concern us. Well, let's segue into that because my next one was uh, we had said or I had said that we would expound mm-hmm. on abortion. So let's talk about that. Oh. oh, I mean, we don't have to or a, a little bit, but I think what you said is how I feel. And I've said this before is like you can have your beliefs, but those are personal. You can't apply your personal thoughts and methods of approaching life to other people. Mm-hmm. So I respect people's beliefs. Because my understanding is that you hold those. Those are your those are your private beliefs. Uh, yeah, you hold those individually. Like they shouldn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. So that's so. If you don't want to have an abortion, then don't. And if you don't agree with it, then I guess don't support it. Mm-hmm. In like in your own world, but to assume you'd have a say in someone else's like de- like decision on how they want to treat their body seems odd. But I'm not saying that as a community. We can't have a say in how we live, right? There are certain things that are right and wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like murder, theft, cheating, lying. We all agree is wrong. To, I mean, you know, we still do it, but like, we all know that it's wrong. But yeah, like to, to, to say that uh, abortion is wrong is like, okay, for, for reasons you hold. But, you know, if I don't think that life starts at conception and to me it's just you know it's just a very personal choice i'm not an individual who can grow a baby in my uterus so to me i feel very disconnected from even thinking that i should have an opinion except that for someone who is able well that's what this is where it gets wrapped up into belief and also uh, the topic of death is uh these religious groups that believe that there's a a, a soul all those fucking billboards i have to see in the midwest and elsewhere of like i had a soul when i was conceived no no that's not i don't believe in that uh and (laughs) so they're holding this concept that they believe in about a soul and in an afterlife and attaching it to this fetus that's in this stranger's body it's like no that (laughs) if you ask me my personal thoughts i think the world's overpopulated I think that if someone is pregnant and says they don't want to be, that's probably the last person we want being pregnant. And it doesn't matter whether it's financial or career or they know they're going to be a bad mother or they hate the man they're pregnant by. It doesn't matter why someone wants an abortion or they were sexually assaulted or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just like that person does not want to be pregnant. So why would we want them to be pregnant? Right. Like, and then why would you... you know, and then subject that whatever... That child. That child to the aftermath of that and not that any woman or person who has had a baby and thought about getting an abortion is automatically a bad parent but it's like if you want it you should be able to get it Mm -hmm. safely and affordably Mm -hmm. and not threaten being like you shouldn't have to go to the fucking medical center and have people protesting it's like you don't know me bitch you don't know (laughs) or you shouldn't have to face the burden of having to fly across the country to the nearest clinic to and also if you're if you want to prevent people from having abortions then you need to provide them with money daycare pampers or take the damn baby and raise it yourself Um, mental health services if if you're out there protesting abortion and you don't have a, a baby that you've adopted Shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here. Oh, I did want to share that um, when I was in school, I worked in a pharmacy, like a big pharmacy at like a very big, like level one trauma center. They had like the inpatient pharmacy. 
and I worked overnights as a pharmacy technician. So in this pharmacy, there was just the pharmacist and the technician. So just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And as people know, probably the technician like takes the prescriptions, enter, enters them, makes the order, and then a pharmacist checks it and then consults with the patient. So there were four night pharmacists and they would work like one week a month overnight. And then I worked every other week. So I got the chance to work with all four mm -hmm. over the course of three and a half years. And one of them refused to dispense plan B or birth control due to his religious beliefs. And he was allowed to do so. That's disgusting. Which was very confusing to me because when I first started, everyone, you know, I was in college. Everyone else I worked with was also in college. And immediately everyone told me, oh, you're working overnights? Well, this pharmacist, blah, 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 doesn't dispense plan B. So I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And then quickly, I, you know, it was sort of like underground knowledge that um, because the hospital was a learning institution, there were residents, like medical residents, pharmacy residents. But the medical residents had sort of put the word out that if when that pharmacist is working, and there is a, an order he won't fill for birth control that one of them would assist us because they could technically just give the drug. But I don't know if that's even correct because then it wouldn't have... It. They were handing out the drug like for free. They were just handing it to them. Mm -hmm. So of course that's not what the hospital would want them to do is give away free drugs. But people were in need and you have this person projecting their own beliefs. But then as I got to know him over the course of three and a half years, he finally shared that part of why he was so vehement about it was that he and his wife had fertility issues and now they were in their fifties. So having a child was out of the question. If, I mean, if, if, if they, if she couldn't get pregnant at 30, she damn sure wouldn't get pregnant at 50. Well, Janet. Well, I think they had exhausted like fertility treatment. Sure. Or no, I think maybe part of his beliefs is that they weren't going to do that. I don't know what bullshit he was on. But anyway, I just thought like, there's this idea of like motherhood. And, you know, again, I'm not someone who can give birth. So I don't want to act like I know exactly what I'm talking about. But just listening to, I have had the occasion to listen to women who are anti-abortion. And their reasoning, the ones I've spoken to, 99% of the time has always revolved around motherhood mm -hmm. and the joy of motherhood. And how can you, like, I, like I could never, yeah, you could never, and you that's, could for, never, and that's for you to decide about you. your body. But this bitch over here is not ready for X, Y, Z reasons. And then you're trying to put your shit on her. Like you're imagining your little two ugly kids and then you're thinking, oh, I couldn't live without them. Great. So, Good for or you. I wouldn't have a life without them. So I want her to experience that. And then I think I mentioned this too in the video, but I wish I could just get an honest survey of women who have children who got pregnant by some man they probably realized they didn't even fucking love because it was the first guy they slept with in high school. Mm -hmm. And then they spend the next 30 years with this person, raised all these kids, and now they're, you know, they have these very conservative viewpoints about reproductive health. And it's like, I don't know, like, are you actually happy with the decision you made or, or did what happened to you sort of um, inform your life trajectory? I think when you get honest answers about things, it, it's 
causes things to spin out of control. So what I'm basically saying is I've, I, I think there are a lot of mothers out there who got into situations where it's like, well, this is my life and it sort of molded them instead of them taking control. Mm-hmm. Well, cause maybe they weren't allowed to. So, sure. Sure. So, you know, I, I, maybe you, that's not the best way to say that, but I just, I just know that I'm not qualified to tell someone what to do with their body. And I also don't believe that my personal beliefs, which happen to be that if you don't want to be pregnant, you should be allowed to not be pregnant anymore. You know, I know that it shouldn't apply to other people, but I just, I don't think that anyone should have a say. Well, just, it's... It's, it's not murder to me. It's like, funny because everybody, they don't think about their own bodies and what that means to live in a place where you don't have control over your own body. Like, I don't want somebody telling me what I can and can't do to mine. Sure. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I could just ramble on. But we should move on to movie-related things. Yeah. You wrote down Paul Schrader, Golden Lion Achievement, Venice. You don't... Okay, so these are prompts. You don't have to read the whole thing out. Yes, Paul Schrader is going to be awarded the Golden Lion at Venice for a Lifetime Achievement, which has me concerned because it probably means his new movie starring Sigourney Weaver will be there, uh, Master Gardener. Uh, but I'm nervous because... that. Him winning this award means it probably won't be in the competition, and I want I want it to be in the competition. Um, oh, because conflict of interest. Per- potentially, I don't know uh, how they're. I haven't bothered to look at if they have rules about that. Next, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker has just been announced as getting the Palm Door for Lifetime Achievement at Can. Oh. I okay. What. Yeah. I know Forrest Whitaker. Yes, you do. I was going to try to name movies I know him from, but Last King of Scotland. Which he won his Oscar for, yeah. Uh, He's done a Sigourney film. Uh, Nine Windows or what? what uh, View, Vantage Point. Vantage Point, yeah. Vantage Point. Wow. That's all I can think of. Okay. Uh, he's in a Walter Hill movie I really oh, like. Oh, he's in The Great Debaters. Yes. He's in a Walter Hill film I really like called um, Johnny Handsome with Mickey Rourke. Oh, we don't have any entries in the sorry to this man section. Again, not that it has been brought to my attention. Yeah. Uh, films released we didn't cover. You don't have anything. Uh, well, there are only... We did The Twin and we did... Uh, the major release was, of course, Doctor Strange this week and uh, Happening, the Golden Lion winner. So. And then movies we watch for fun. So you watch something called Get Christy Love. Yeah. Um, it was a television series, but I believe I worked, watched the first entry of that uh, directed by William A. Graham and it stars um, Teresa Glover is that her name? Uh, no sorry Teresa Graves she was the second woman after Diane Carroll second black woman to have her own television series it was oh called- can I quickly mention because I always say Diahan Carroll and I said it in a video and there were several comments about people saying that they can't believe I don't know how to pronounce her name like, does anyone really think I don't know that her name is Diane Carroll? I'm being funny it's saying like saying Hand. It's like how we say Timothée Chalamet. Right. It's like, I know it's not Timothée, but it, it, I like how it sounds. Oh, it's just like people got upset at me saying, Uma. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you, um, like that's not how you talk. So I'm being would... funny, uh, but anyway. it's okay. Um, whatever. Uh, Teresa Graves, uh, who's very beautiful, uh, stars as this, uh, as the IMDb uh and she says, an adventures of, the adventures of a sexy and sassy black undercover cop, Christy Love. It was entertaining. 
but it the was... adventures of this was like a TV show. It was. It became oh. a TV show. Um, <laughs> and people like Clue Gulliger and Tom Tom Skerritt, who will come up later in this conversation. We finished uh, Joe versus Carol. Yes, we did, and you know what? That grew on me. It did. I think the final two episodes, how Kate McKinnon played Carol Baskin is what it should have been the entire time. Yeah. So, unfortunately, my overall opinion of her performance is not good, but it it did grow on me. I think John Cameron Mitchell did a great job. I think Joe Exotic, or whatever his real name is, Joseph Maldonado... As a personality, I could be done with him. I know he's probably going to die soon. He has he has serious health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no interest in watching the second part of, you know, Tiger King. Tiger King, but yeah, a remarkable uh, story. If people haven't seen the Tiger King docu series, I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would recommend the TV series on Peacock. <laughs> I think John Cameron Mitchell does a good job. I don't know that I'd recommend that. I think uh, Joe Exotic, the actual man in the Tiger King docuseries, is equally, if not more, entertaining. And certainly the docuseries is more wild and gripping. And lastly, uh, we watched... So we had a bunch of friends come over last night because we wanted to watch Avatar... Because we were at a party the previous weekend, mm-hmm. and a friend had mentioned how much he loves Avatar, and we had said that, oh, we're going to, oh, because we watched the Avatar trailer. Yes, we did. We, we did. There was a special screening of the Avatar trailer on the same day as the screening, the early screening of Doctor Strange. So we watched the new trailer, and then I thought, oh, I haven't watched Avatar since it came out 11 years ago. 10, 12 years 2009 oh 13 years ago christmas of 2009 yeah yeah so 12 so almost 13 years since i've seen avatar so we rewatched it what are my thoughts that script oh okay visually it's stunning yeah it holds like up. it holds up yeah. the the amount of care that those artists put into this film is remarkable i mean it looks better than high budget shit that's out now mm-hmm. so very impressive but the story is very basic, and the the casting is whack to me, especially, like, the two bad guys who I feel like are just, like, these... They're supposed to represent, like, these white racist men. I don't know. Colonialists. Yeah. I think it was a little way too heavy-handed. I do like Stephen Lang. I thought he was so over the top. He is. And then the other guy, what's his name? Giovanni. Giovanni Rabisi. Oh, G- G- I thought he was kind of hammy. And Those then, fly-bitten savages. Like, oh my oh, God. The dialogue is so bad. Sigourney's hair looks ridiculous. Yes, it does. Her dialogue. I mean, everyone's dialogue. Everyone's dialogue is uh, bad. Sam Kinison or whatever his name is. Worthington. Worthington. He, <laughs> he, I understand that he's just supposed to be, like, it's a three-month period. Mm-hmm. But the way they alter his appearance looks silly. That wig he's wearing. and yeah. Um, uh, Michelle Rodriguez says Trudy. <laughs> uh, just there are no the only performance that I think actually works for me is Zoe Saldana. I think her performance is good in that. But other and and then of course like her um, family like those characters I think worked okay. Well, the people of color like West Duty and CCH Pounder. <laughs> yeah, I think just the tone of it is a little too juvenile. Imagine if this would have been like with the sort of dramatic 
effect of like a I don't know like a fucking dances with wolves, mm-hmm. but then with the production and the and the movie magic of what James Cameron achieved, this would be like an epic epic movie. I mean, I did have you know I, again I haven't also watched it since two thousand nine, and it is upsetting watching them you know destroy the world of these creatures. <laughs> Uh, so there, there is some uh, emotional weight to it. Um, yeah. But, but yes, and I think it's James Cameron just shouldn't be writing his own films. Oh my god! Uh, the trailer for the new one, I thought was beautiful. Yeah. And it actually looks quite similar to what I just watched last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's on par. Am I excited to see it? No, but. I'm excited to see what they do with Sigourney. I'm but you... Oh, go ahead. And But, you know, the one bit of dialogue is Sam Worthington's character is talking about family. It's like, oh, that sounds like a Fast and the Furious. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm more interested in? Like a prequel to Avatar because the whole, like, how they colonized that planet and then, like, built schools and taught the Navi. That, to me, was way more interesting mm-hmm. than Unobtainium. Like, oh, God, yes. That's such a... That shit is so stupid. Unobtainium. Un- like, all that money and y'all couldn't pay a copywriter or someone for, in, in, on a marketing team somewhere or an actual scientist to come up with a name that sounded better than Unobtainium. Anyway, moving on to projects of interest. White Men Can't Jump. Oh, so that is being remade, um, directed by a man named Kelmatic. Who also directed a remake of House Party that's coming out this year? Oh, uh, but yeah, that's because I actually have never seen the original White Men Can't Jump. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, you, I recently with... rewatched it. Oh. Yeah, it was on something. Oh, it was on Amazon Prime. Oh, I, I watched would... it in the old house. Oh, I would watch that, obviously. But uh, anyway, Audrey's Children. Michael Mann's daughter, Amy Kanan Mann. I think this is her second film. In 2011, her debut was The Texas Killing Fields. I think that stars... Oh, no, no. It's um, Jessica Chastain and... Uh, who's that? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think. Um, which was just an okay film. But she's doing a film about the doctor the, the, that started the Ronald McDonald House. Oh. For children and cancer research. That sounds a little dry. Um, the Dagon. Yeah, Frank Grillo is going to headline Brad Anderson's uh, latest film. Uh, not all of Brad Anderson's work is... Uh, great like the vanishing on is it 7th street is terrible but uh, I really like the machinist with uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale but he's doing a film about uh, some creature called the Dagon taking over uh, Frank Grillo which sounds very Stuart Gordon to me but Femme uh, Femme is uh, so the can is around the corner so a bunch of projects are being announced in the uh, for the film market and this sounds really good um it's starring George McKay and Nathan Stewart Jarrett from Candyman, and it is about a drag queen who is uh, survives a horrific homophobic attack uh, that basically destroys his life, and then he encounters one of the men uh, in a gay sauna that attacked him, and he wants revenge. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yes, uh, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, you skipped over... The Undertaker's Children, um, a new project that was just announced with Anne Dowd. It's a directorial debut, uh, not hers, where she plays this woman that's in charge with two children she has to get rid of. Oh. And then Wild Four O'Clocks. The writer of Batman is directing his debut and starring Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Unfortunately, we have entries in the obituary section. The first is Kang Soo Yoon. Uh, yes, a uh, very notable uh, presence in Korean cinema. She's a child actress. Uh, she won uh, Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival for The Surrogate Woman in 87. Uh, she hasn't been in anything since like 2011, 2012, but she recently announced uh, died, I think, a heart attack. Uh, she's only 55. Next, Kenneth Welsh. Uh, Canadian character actor. Um, I probably, his my go-to for him in his vast filmography is probably Twin Peaks. But yeah, he was uh, 80. And uh, our secret film <laughs> is Top Gun. Mm-hmm. We chose to watch it because you're going to see the new Top Gun next week. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm not going. No. Oh. I think it's during the middle of the day. Oh, yeah. But in preparation for that, um, and also it felt a little clickbaity because if we drop it today, people might think we're talking about the new one. <laughs> I that have, was my idea. I, haven't, I had to send VHS as a kid. I know my dad hated this movie, but I haven't watched this since I was a child. I don't recall ever seeing it. I'm very familiar with the soundtrack just because I was a kid in the 80s. Um, Great watch, soundtrack. But watching it uh, today, I did not care for this movie at all. Oh, it's so dull. You know what it felt like? I told you this already. It felt like when I was a kid, like in like when I was a teenager in the 90s and then going to the arcade mm-hmm. and they had those games like a fighter pilot game where you sit in the pod and then like your friend would go play and I'm just standing outside of the pod listening to him and then the pod kind of moves as he's flying the plane. That is about as interesting as I found this movie. Yep. Okay, the basic story is just like some fighter pilots are part of this like top 1% group of pilots who are sort of trained to be like the best of the best, the elite. So Tom Cruise, a bunch of other people are part of it. He's in there with his best friend. He has a rivalry with some other guy. At the same time, he's like fallen in love with his instructor, which Mm. we can get into (laughs) because that made no damn sense to me. And... But everything, well, there's sort of like two culminations because the first is his best friend, Tom Cruise's best friend, gets killed like in a flying uh, exercise. Goose. And then he chooses to move forward because there might there's a question of whether he wants to go on, which was so fucking flimsy. But he does. And then he's called to like some mission critical thing. Immediately, at at the graduation ceremony. Yeah, like at his graduation, like we have a critical situation. You need to leave now to the Indian Ocean because a U.S. Navy ship has floated into like foreign territory, but they don't say which country, and immediately is attacked. Immediately. So Tom Cruise and his little friends of Top Gunners go and shoot down five foreign jets, and now he's a hero. And the final... The end of the film is him reuniting with with the love of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the end. Okay. Very. D- Should I just go through my little notes? Uh, okay. So, did you know Top Gun is a real thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, the soundtrack is everything. Okay, so Lady Gaga has uh, released her song for from the new film. It is has not cannot hold a candle to Berlin's "Take My Breath Away." It cannot, and then you know, Giorgio Moroder was the producer on that, who you know who did yes. uh, "I Feel Love," just countless hits from the seventies, and the Kenny Loggins uh, track. He of course produced. Danger as well. Zone is so good. I'm more of a fan of the Berlin track. But That's yeah. great too. Uh, <laughs> the writing, 
The yeah. acting. It's just like watching these old little pussy ass boys trying to act all aggro is so uncomfortable. Like they're all trying to be like, uh, uh. oh, and I, I don't like it. And Tom, then uh, Tom, Tom scared his viper. Oh God. And then like one of their, I don't know who this guy is, the general, the one who goes, your ego is writing checks. Your body cannot cash. Yeah. That, <laughs> that character, because like the guys in charge are all kind of like, I don't know. I just thought this shit was garbage, but <laughs> Other notes I have, everyone is so sweaty and moist. They are. Like every scene, they are either sweating or wet because they just got out of the shower or they're they're just straight up moist. Like, (laughs) I just don't understand. Okay, for many years, I remember people making jokes about how gay Top Gun is, but as I watched it, I really didn't get that vibe. It's at because all. we're not used to we weren't used to male friendship being displayed on screen, so any any semblance of vulnerability was gay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I I mean, I didn't see it. I was assuming that there'd be like long shower scenes where they're like sitting around and like loosely wrapped towel. No, it's there are like two or three locker room scenes, but they're not anything to get excited about. And then the friendship between Tom Cruise and his best friend doesn't really, I mean, they just seem like buddies. Tom Cruise's reaction to his friend dying, I thought was hyperbolic, but whatever. You could have a drinking game and you would die from alcohol poisoning every time they say MIG. Yeah. The, the, and, the type of plane. The, yeah. the type of plane. I, and it was so annoying. I kept thinking of Jason Statham in the Meg. 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 Hey, Meg. And, okay, well, Meg Ryan, this is her debut. Yeah, she plays Goose's wife. Her hair is a fucking nightmare. It is not cute. It is a nightmare. Okay, the lady, Kelly McGinnis. Kelly McGillis. McGillis. Beautiful. Okay. She, I mean, I wouldn't. She's, you don't think she's beautiful? She's a nice looking lady. I think she was. She's no Michelle Pfeiffer. I didn't say that. She's no Christy Brinkley. Claire Danes. <laughs> Claire Danes. <laughs> For anyone, my favorite episode of our podcast is the episode called Shout. The Shout. The Shout. Directed by Jerzy Skolomowski. Oh, that's funny because... That's somebody, my absolute favorite podcast episode. Some, I should look up which one it is. Somebody sent me a message uh, about that. About Actually, the shout? Yeah. Uh-oh. Were they upset? No. They said uh, they're a fan of uh, our channel and podcast. You covered the shout in detail, but in shocking oversight, only mentioned the fabled deep end in passing. <laughs> and they sent a video where they go into depth on Yerzy Skolomowski's classic deep end. I do agree. Deep end is a, 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 a phenomenal film. Uh, I, well, like the, I like the shout more. But... Just to follow up, uh, episode number 45, The Shout, is mm-hmm. my favorite of ours. Okay. I listen to it quite often. Oh, okay. When I want to laugh. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> you don't care. So, so you You're like you haven't listened to it. Yeah. No, you have. In the car, I made you listen. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know what Kelly McGillis. I was really in the mood that day. <laughs> I'm really in the mood today. Uh, <laughs> I think Kelly McGillis. Uh, you know, she's a beautiful woman. This was when she was in a string of hits, right? Because she. This was after Witness. This was before The Accused. I didn't know that. Okay, well, she was a very notable figure in 1980s <laughs> I didn't recognize American the lady cinema. at all. She could have been the lady from uh, Dirty Dancing. Jennifer Grey? Yeah. She looked very generic to me. I'm not saying that she... She looked like okay. Kim Cattrall's older, not-as-pretty sister. To really? Me. I, th- yeah. I think she's... Bit, I don't really like Kim Cattrall. But uh, 
as an actress. Sorry, Sex and the City fans. Anyway, I brought her up to say that her and Tom Cruise have no chemistry. Not at all. Not a drop of chemistry. Then... Their love affair isn't even provocative. Like, nope. there's no sense of danger in what they're doing. And then... They're trying to make it seem like it's Mary Kay Letourneau. I don't I don't have dinner with my students. <laughs> and then we see them interact twice, like, interact not sexually. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, probably the best scene of the film to me, which is, so, it's like so stupid, is there... She's teaching a class... And she has to sort of like critique Tom's flying. Mm-hmm. And he gets upset and like she runs off in his motorcycle. And she chases this man in her car. They pull over on the side of the road. They start arguing with each other. And she tells him, I've fallen for you. Yeah. How? When did this happen? I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's what kind of magic did you it, put on his ass? We didn't see it. The, it. the soundtrack is leading us to believe it because we get the strings of uh, the Berlin track. Oh my God. But like until it's flow, full blown and they have sex. Okay, so when they go fight off this like foreign government the military for this ship, Which that is, shit was so stupid. What is it? It's so vague. And it's so, I mean, they make it so extra vague. Then at the end, Tom is a hero. Mm-hmm. And his superior says, like, You're, how does it feel to be on the cover of every newspaper in the country or something? Even though the other side's uh, saying it didn't happen. <laughs> what? What? <sighs> and then they're like, they said they're going to let you. He just got out of the academy. He has been on one mission that was successful. And this man, played by James Tolkien, by the way, tells him, uh, you're going to be get. Uh, you can choose whatever you want to do. <laughs> What? What? How does that work? And he's like, I want to be a, a, a instructor at Top Gun. Then we spend so much time with him and Kelly and their little romance. But then like the final third of the film, she's just gone. Yeah. My note was, where'd the lady go? Yeah. Because she, she's just gone. Well, and then, you know, he's shorter than she is. So I, I was reading they had to, in that bar in the end where they're hugging in profile, they put they they dug a little trench for her to stand in. I don't have anything good to say about this movie except that uh, the music is fun, but I couldn't watch the I mean I wouldn't want to watch this again. I wouldn't recommend there there's nothing about it except the music that takes you anywhere. This is the top earner box office earner of 1986. Uh, yeah, well, I, I I don't know, but Which I guess I'm not sure why it took so long for there to be a sequel. Uh, because it seems something that made money, why they wouldn't capitalize on that. Watching this definitely makes me not want to watch the new one. I'm really not excited for it, but uh, whatever. Uh, uh, so this was directed by Tony Scott, who is Ridley Scott's brother. Okay. Uh, Tony Scott's first film is one of my favorite films of the 1980s, and it was a huge flop, and he never directed anything like it again, and that was The Hunger, starring... Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie and Susan Sarandon, which, oh my God. And that opens with, you know, they're the Bowie and Deneuve, uh, getting a, a victim at a bar while Bella Lugosi's dead by Bauhaus playing. Oh my God. The opening of that film. Anyway, the lesbianism, love it, love it, love it. And then there was a huge flop and he didn't direct anything like that again. And his, the next movie he directed was Top Gun. And that set him off on this kind of trajectory. Because after this, he did uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, (laughs) which is also not good uh, in my mind. All I can remember from that is a clip of Eddie Murphy talking about turtle shit. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 
And then he did a couple films in the 90s that I think are seminal. Um, True Romance, of course. And I really do like The Last Boy Scout with Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis. Mm. But then you, you probably know Tony Scott. He did Enemy of the State with Will Smith. And then he did that string of Denzel Washington films up until Unstoppable in 2010. And then he killed himself. Mm. Remember he, drum, he jumped off that bridge in Long Beach? Oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah, because uh, he had cancer, I believe. Anyway, so this is a Tony Scott film. Uh, it based, you know, it was inspired by uh, an article in a magazine about this Top Gun school. I, I do like, again, I, I think maybe I just have fond memories of Kelly McGillis as a kid. Uh, I, Tom Cruise makes me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> I think he's cute. Um, it's just knowing how he sort of turns out, you know, that makes him looking at older roles seem kind of creepy but they all look stupid to me like in these roles and <laughs> well acting all like i don't know I, I know it's acting but it's just like val kilmer ugh. and Is, then all these close-ups and they're all sweaty and <laughs> uh what's his name tom scared has a line because there's also baggage about uh tom tom cruise's character matt his name's maverick pete uh his dad was a pilot and died mysterious or disappeared right and tom scared knew his dad used to fly with him he's just, oh and then he tells a story like there's some like it's classified if i tell you this i could lose my career and then what he tells him is like not i know it's still unremarkable like but tom scared says of his father he was a natural heroic son of a bitch why? Why? Okay. Uh, but a lot of people I like in here, Michael Ironside, uh, a small role for Tim Robbins. Uh, I, I do believe, yes, Meg Ryan looks... <laughs> and you were, you, what did you say? Like, how did Meg Ryan become a thing? And I think it's because she felt relatable because uh, she popped off after When Harry Met Sally, which was mm. just a couple of years after this. But, um, and I, I forget when she did Amityville Horror 3D. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, that's Top Gun. So, what do we have this week going on? Um, I know we're doing Top Golf tomorrow. Yes, in anticipation of a film that comes out at the end of May, uh, starring Mark Rylance. Oh, it's not a documentary? No, it's a film. About a golfer. About a golfer with Sally Hawkins and... What's it called? Phantom of the Open. The, oh, God. That, that comes out in the beginning of June. Um yeah, we have that tomorrow, and then Top Gun Maverick, and then uh, cramming a bunch of stuff in before Can when I, le I leave next weekend. Hmm. Firestarter is this week. But that's a screener. Yeah. I can watch it in the comfort of my own home. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent. But there are a few things. Uh, the Innocence, the Norwegian horror film that I saw last year, uh, we're, we saw on the count of three already. We'll be reviewing that. Uh, Pleasure out of um, Sundance. Uh, on the count of three is the 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 suicide the, the Gerard double... Carmichael oh. film uh, we have a couple of Netflix things Our Father that's a documentary oh god um, there's something else oh that Katie Seagal film <laughs> we'd love to watch oh god yeah so we have a lot to do do you want to leave us with a quote uh, are you reading anything uh, a book no oh uh I'm reading... Uh, well, I... Okay, so I finished Treasure Island. I've never read a book. I don't know why you keep asking me. <laughs> well, I don't want to assume. I don't, I don't want to assume that you don't read. Uh, but there's a pile of books 
on your bedside that I that I didn't buy for myself. <laughs> so they're gonna sit there for a while. <laughs> All those Elon Harris books. I would probably read those first. Okay, you started one. I did. Anyway, Treasure Island uh, by Robert Louis Stevenson. I think that I probably needed to have read that as a kid, uh, but it, it felt like one. I'd read Scarlet Sails, which uh, there's a film version of that's going to be a can, and I'm like, oh, that felt like a very Robert Louis Stevenson novel. So I'm like, I should read Treasure Island. I was so bored with that. And then, but it's funny. It's it's kind of the um, cl- the classic pirate tale where you get all of these sayings like shiver me timbers and that song about the rum and long john silver and uh but i was i was so bored with it but anyway i finally finished shout out to long john silver um i wouldn't mind a gift card no 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 i want some hush puppies that's that's poison but hush puppies from long john silvers yeah i just want the last time the last time we went in search in la for long john silvers we ended up in compton and it was connected to another restaurant. I believe a KFC. Ugh, and when I tell y'all that restaurant. A very lovely young gentleman working behind the counter. Uh, but I was worried about. A homosexual. I was worried about his health. Yes. He, bless his heart, but that was the greasiest place. I couldn't do it. Like The I, greasiest place you have ever been in. I felt like it's, there's grease in the air. And oh, there was. I mean, when we got home, my face looked like. <laughs> A chicken bone. Well, it looked like when I used to work at McDonald's, like it's just, we were only in there for like 30 minutes and I felt like I was bathed in, like someone had taken a brush with olive oil and like covered me in it. But yeah, that food was so greasy. Yes. Uh, It was good. So you don't need a gift card for that. Um, But the hush puppies are okay. We can make hush puppies. No, no. You always want to make your own version of something I really want. I want those hush puppies from lunch and stuff. But it's poison. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe I want to die. Oh, and we've come back to the beginning of the podcast. Well, read your quote. Uh, well, no, I'm now reading the ballad, the ballad of the Sad Cafe and Other Stories by Carson McCullers. It's a, a Bantam Classics uh, edition that my grandmother had. Uh, and, but anyway, I've never read it. I love Carson McCullers. So I'm, and there's a film version starring Vanessa Redgrave from the early 90s, I believe. Um, anyway, so I had a Carson McCullers quote, which was, I must go home periodically to renew my sense of horror. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Bye.